Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Good morning, good afternoon, whatever time of day it is that you are listening. Folks, thank you very, very much for listening. Today, today is the 11th of April, year of our Lord, 2023. Welcome to yet another edition of the Bonnie Cardigan Show, presented by The Athletic. I am, of course, joined by the on-again, off-again man who wears the cardigan, James Edwards III of The Athletic. James, I hope you had, and all of our lovely listeners, a fantastic little uh, Easter. Well, well, thank you. I, I, was, I was working the whole Easter, but I appreciate That's the sentiment. True. I hope I hope you had a great Easter, and I hope the listeners did as well. Yeah, I actually got to uh, I got to help out the Easter Bunny this year for the first time. I got to hide some eggs with him. He's a Ooh. tall dude. I asked him, I was like, "What are you doing in like June? Can you play the four? And he said he's tied up in like <laughs> April when the playoffs would be anyways, so he couldn't he couldn't do it. But I hid some great eggs this year with the Easter Bunny. Yeah, I think uh, I think Croatia celebrates Easter in in June. Oh yeah, so he couldn't even suit up for the finals then either. I don't know. I just made that. It's like Santa. Claus. I don't know. It was a bad uh, hemisphere joke that, in retrospect, was bad. But yeah, I mean, this is a great start to a pod in which we actually get to talk Pistons the entire time. There is a there is enough things. To, like I I heard something happened recently, and this I heard the season might. End. It's, I heard there's a lot going on. Yeah, I think this is the most that like. Folks, we know why you're here today, and let's just jump right into it, okay? Before we do, I need a quick 30 seconds. I have to issue an apology to certain listeners. Um, a week ago, for last week's episode, about 10 minutes before we started recording, I made a mental note that I needed to congratulate the winners and runner-ups of the Bon & Cardigan uh, Fantasy Basketball Leagues, and then I completely spaced it. So that is totally on me. Um, I will say to those of you who won or came in second place, congratulations. You guys did great. Everybody who participated, thank you very, very much. By the end of the week, I'm going to be reaching out to the aforementioned winners and runners-up. We'll get some uh, information, and you guys will get your cash prizes. So thank you very much for that, everybody. Ooh, ooh. Congratulations. I'm pissed you guys won, but congratulations. I came in. The best I did in one of the leagues was third. In one of the leagues, one of the runner-ups was uh, his team name was an I Think You Should Leave reference. It was Corncob TV, so I was rooting for that guy the whole way. Shout out to him. Um, okay, James. So the Pistons right now do not have a head coach of their basketball team. I'm going to give you the floor in a large majority of this episode um, to kind of go over everything, you know, really get into the weeds with, you know, what happened leading up to it and, you know, everything that you want to tell us. Uh, if you'll indulge me, Please. just really, really quick top rope. Um, if you'll give me a quick three to five minutes. <laughs> To kind of let me give my piece on this whole thing. Do your thing. I'm, I'm actually very interested to hear it. You know, I went back and listened to our Sadiq Bay emergency trade pod as like a as a way to remind myself how not to tackle something like this. Because if you go back and listen to that pod, it sounded like we were giving the guy a fucking eulogy. Right. The vibes were weird. There were some weird emotions. And I don't want to sound like I'm doing that today. But if there's any reason why I'm feeling some type of way about this, um, I think it's maybe just because it's so rare in the NBA today. And if you really want to, you know, extend the lens there in the four major sports, but for all intents and purposes, it's very rare in the NBA these days that you see this amicable parting of ways and a coach being able to go out on his own terms because normally what happens is it's one of two things. One, yeah, teams do, you know, mutually agree to just kind of break up and they say, you know, this isn't really working. Let's just go try and see other people. That does happen. But it's usually, you know, that coach gets another job within the next six months or something. Maybe they take a year off, right? But they don't maintain that relationship. Or the other reason is that coach just gets run out of town for one reason or another. 
And I think it means so much to me just as a fan that the Pistons were able to look at a guy like Dwayne Casey and say the the resolve that you possess, right? The content of your character and the sheer uh, basketball intellect that you have is so valuable to us. That's not something we want to lose, right? We want you in this building. We want you to stay around these guys that you've helped get to this point, that you've helped get on the right path, on the right trajectory. And that trajectory has been a really, really tricky thing to navigate over these last three years, right? Because the what feels like thousands of games that the Pistons have lost over the last three years through virtue of however you want to put it, right? You know, the one thing that Dwayne Casey never lost was the locker room. And that's the most important thing that a coach has to maintain during his entire tenure. And we've spoken about it ad nauseum on this show, and we don't need to go into it too much, but but that does mean a lot, right? And it speaks volumes about his ability to coach guys up when they need to be coached up and just be a leader in that locker room. Um, it obviously also does speak towards the, the ability of Troy to just dominate the pre-draft process and say, are you a knucklehead or are you here to fucking hoop? Right. And if nothing else, we know that every single year, once October rolls around, the Pistons are going to have 15 guys in the building who are there to fucking hoop. And Dwayne Casey has been has been a great leader for those guys. And it's like we have an entire generation of Pistons fans right now who are starved for a winner, who are just desperately needing, you know, this this restoration to 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 be completed. Um, we have guys who are old enough to vote. We have guys who are old enough to die for this country who just haven't seen the Pistons be good, right? Or you're like me and like you were technically alive for 04, but you were too young to really remember it, you know? And um, even if you want to extend that, oh, you were alive for the bad boys and you were alive for 04. That's great, dude. That was 20 years ago. And I think it means a lot to me for a coach to have the presence of mind to say, it's time for me to take a step back. It's time for me to hand the reins to somebody else and sort of take over, you know, what I've what I've built here. And that again, it just means a lot to to have that that selflessness. Um, and of course, there are parts of this where you know I'm gonna miss Dwayne as like the dude, and I know he's still around, but he's not the face. You know, he's not in front of that microphone after every single game, giving us just banger quotes, just hilarious Caseyisms. Like that guy, I'm gonna miss a hundred percent. But it feels so great that, you know, he's able to just stick around and that he still gets to be in that building um, with all those players. So even if I'm a little bit like, oh, man, like Dwayne's gone. And I know a lot of people are maybe feeling a little bit differently, but it's a really good day to be a Pistons fan. And I mean that in the most endearing way towards Dwayne, because all this does to me, again, as a fan, is signal that. This is going the exact way that they want it to go, and everything is going according to plan, and they really do believe, okay, so it's not just us saying, you know, as fans, I think next year they're really going to go for it. You know, they got all this stuff. It's like we didn't have time to address the the open letter that Troy had to fans because it came out, you know, after we did last week's pod, but everything he laid out in there, it's like, okay, dude, like this is it. It's starting to happen. The wheels are officially off the ground, and, you know, Dwayne's handing over the stick to some other guy to get us to that 35,000 foot cruising altitude. You know what I mean? Until this team is really where they want to be. Um, and I think that all this move shows is that they're headed in the right direction. Yeah. And, and we can get into that too with the, with the closing of the season. Um, but before I like get into, cause I know people want to hear from me, like take them through not just Sunday in Chicago, uh, but the days leading up and kind of just give as much backstory. Uh, it was weird because when he, when he announced it um, in the in the in the, the the spare room in Chicago where they do post game interviews, I like I don't know how to say it was weird. I texted a buddy, I texted some coworkers, and I was like, "Is it weird that I f- I feel weird?" And it was like, I was like, my bad journalist, because, you know, you're supposed to you disconnect yourself from uh, the job. You try not, obviously, you don't make it emotional. You don't make it. But I've covered this guy for five years. Yeah. Gotten to know his family. Uh, just a great human being. And it was just like, oh, like that was one constant kind of like in this crazy job that I have. The one constant was like, oh, Dwayne, we'll talk to Dwayne tomorrow. We'll talk to Dwayne tomorrow. We'll talk to Dwayne tomorrow. 
It's like that's not going to be the case as much. I'll still see him around, obviously, still talk to him. But like you said, it's 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 not the same. And I think he is – I think the way you put it is, is perfect. It's – he's a guy that generally cares about an organization that he really has no affiliation, no deep roots with. Um, and I think that grew – over time, given his relationship with Tom, his relationship with the organization and how they do things. I think, like, I think Casey, if he didn't love living here, I don't think he'd be moving to a front office role. I know, like, this is, it, he's, he's set up roots here because I do think, and I give the Pistons credit, they, they set up a familial-type atmosphere. Um, and it's a situation where, I mean, I've, I, I mentioned it in stories years ago um uh podcast like this kind of felt like the how it would end him moving to the front office and I think just the respect that they have for him and what he went through in his time here in Detroit how he was brought here to under the impression he was gonna coach a playoff team that they were gonna push for the playoffs push for a championship and then two years in or after one season they pivot I think ownership always appreciated him for not only doing that but also being so invested and being one of the catalysts and saying yeah I I think you guys need to do this even if I have to sit here and at this age and this stage of my career and go through this I I think this is the right thing to do for the organization he you can ask many people he was one of the ones pushing for the rebuild so I think him I think what you saw Sunday him walking into the press conference after the game and being able to announce his own decision is a culmination of the respect that Tom has for him. Maybe some of the, I don't want to say the word guilt, but uh, the feeling that comes with getting a guy to sign up for something and then pivoting. Um, Ultimately it all falls under the respect umbrella. And I also think that, maybe Dwayne's exit in Toronto winning coach of the year and then being kind of kicked to the curb. This is his chance to go out on his terms in his way with his head held high. Um, and with the utmost dignity and, and, and pride. And he seemed at peace with the decision. Um, I guess we can get into the weeds. Now people have been asking me, did you know it was coming? Did you know it was coming? I said, of course, like everybody, I had a sense that there's a chance Dwayne does not come back to coach. Um, did I know that he was the first thing he was going to do when he sat down after the last game of the year was he was going to walk into this small room with his family and say he's stepping down? No. And I've been told that only maybe only him and Tom knew that he was going to do that. I'm not sure that Every maybe he told people before, right before he walked up to the podium. But I, I am of the belief that Sunday morning, I think only him and Tom and maybe the one other person knew that after the game he was going to do that. Uh, they didn't want it to get out. They didn't want it to be. They didn't want Dwayne's um, change in position to be announced by a local reporter or national reporter. They wanted Dwayne to be able to do it his way on his own terms. And I think that's why they cut so many people out of the loop on that. I think that was something that clearly they've dis- they decided well before Sunday. Uh, but it doesn't sound like that they told too many, if any, people at all so that Dwayne could have his moment. And um, I thought that was really cool just given how it ended for him in Toronto. And um, he very easily could be, I mean, you saw at the same time, Steven Silas getting fired before his press conference. And I mean, we can go down the line, how many guys get fired while they're still coaching and stuff like that. And it's not like he coached a good team. He very easily could have been one of those guys who got the, it's the start of the third quarter. And you get a tweet that this guy's done after the game. But I think, like I said, the respect that the organization has for him, that the owner has for him. Uh, And I hate saying for being a soldier, because it sounds like um, it sounds like it sounds minuscule when you say it like that. But being a leader while also being a soldier at the same time, um, being able to to go through what he had to go through, even though he initially didn't sign up for it, uh, 
taking a hit on his record, taking a hit toward the end of his career in terms of just like uh, what he could have accomplished in that time instead or maybe another opportunity that would have came up. Uh, it's certainly a testament to, I guess, his character and which those who are around him every day have told have told you guys how uh, just good of a human being he is. So uh, certainly is it's going to be getting used to. I've been, this is I just finished my sixth season. I've covered Dwayne for five of them, so it's going to be weird seeing somebody else right there for a little bit. But um, like I said, I was me and me and some people were talking after. We we're like, well, we're, I'm kind of glad we didn't like break this and get this scoop. I we thought that was very cool that moment. Yeah. Um, so so certainly happy for him and. Um, like I said, he seemed to truly be at peace with the decision, and that that was kind of the coolest part to see that. How were but, the vibes? Oh, I'm sorry, keep going. Yeah, no, go ahead. How were the the, the vibes? Um, so I didn't, like I said, I didn't. Oh, I kind of glossed over this. I I had stuff pre written for both scenarios. That's just how I operate. Cause you just never know when the bond, when the, the shoe could drop. And I, I legitimately had no clue it was going to happen right after the game. Uh, like I said, I don't think anybody, but Tom and Dwayne did, but I had stuff ready to go. And now that I think back on it, once the decision came out, there were like little sprinkles of like things in my mind that I could connect to leading up to this moment. Like, um, his son had been around on a couple on the road trips lately and a couple practices more often than he had been. Um, his family was at the game in Chicago, even like him walking into his press conferences pre and post game as of late, he was, even though they lost, I know, I mean, they won in Indy, but they had lost the, the, the couple previous, like you could just tell you the way he was interacting with us. He was taking in, I think the moment, um, and, and knew what was probably ahead and what was coming. Um, I even noticed like, and I don't know if he always does this, but I hadn't seen him do it before in Chicago before the game. I'm always out on the floor, just watching guys warm up. And I looked back and I kind of just saw him in the tunnel before the game. I kind of glanced out and I don't remember ever seeing him do that, but maybe he does. There was so, so there were some things there that like, now that I think about it, like, ah, the kind of, you can connect the dots, but it was, it was certainly not expected until he did it. Um, it was, I thought the vibes, we didn't really hang out in the locker room much after the final game because one, they were trying to get out of there and two, like we just got some massive news drop. So we were like kind of writing and scrambling, but today at media day, everybody talked about how important Dwayne was. I, I loved what Isaiah said. He said to have a coach like him, my first three years, allow me to make mistakes and play through them. I couldn't ask for anything more. And that was kind of the sentiment from a lot of guys. So uh, the vibes were good. I think certainly, like with what Dwayne said, it's a, a new voice might do good for the group. Um, and who that voice will be, we'll we'll find out, and we, I'm sure we'll talk about it. But it was certainly um, unexpected in my eyes and in many people's eyes that the way it happened, not necessarily what happened, but the way it happened, um, but it was certainly like one of those moments, like as a journalist where you're always trying to break stuff, you're always trying to get the news. You're like, Oh, I'm kind of glad I didn't get this one. I'm glad it happened the way it did. You know, I guess we can just honestly get into it now, unless there's something else that you'd like to hit on first. Um, I know you put out a story, you know, talking about, Hey, these are some names that the Pistons are thinking about going after, you know, thinking about bringing in for an interview. Um, and without making you, you know, give up your entire article and, and, you know, give people zero reason to go read it. Let me just ask you this. What do you think are going to be like the main bullet points that Troy and Tom are going to be looking for in this next guy? Cause I guess my question is, you know, this kind of signals, okay, we are entering the, the second phase of the rebuild. Does that mean we're going after Rick Carlisle or Larry Brown? You know what I mean? No. No, yeah. I don't. So I don't I, mean I know the names. I know what you mean. Yeah. I know what you mean. I know what you mean. I know, no, 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 I know. I know what you mean. Um, from what I've gathered so far, and they're still putting together their their full list of who they want to interview. 
I think it's a combination of things. I think I do think that they very much value and and this comes from the top down, especially Tom. Like I think they do want to give a up and coming black coach a chance. Um, I think that is I think that's something that's very important to the organization, obviously to Troy, to Tom and, and to Tom. Um I think that somebody with fresh ideas, somebody with open ideas, somebody um, who can balance being relatable but still being stern. Um, I think that's more – I think it's more personality qualities than it is what comes with age. And I think naturally you can associate some of those qualities with age, but there are people who are, as they say, wise beyond their years. So, yeah, I mean, I, I, it's fine. I've We talked – some of the names – I was told we're seriously going to be looked at and considered. Our Charles Lee from Milwaukee, who's a young guy, I don't think he's 40 yet, 38, has been with Bud all the way to Atlanta. Um, from the DMV area, has been a guy that's been well respect or well con- or long considered a, the, that he would be a head coach one day. Um, and then there's Jerry Stackhouse, who Pistons fans are familiar with won a G League title with Raptors 905, went to Vanderbilt and helped turn that program around. Uh, obviously, I think he is a great balance of relatable and still stern because if you say something crazy, Stack will knock you out. <laughs> there's 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 evidence of that. Um, Kevin Ollie is another name I heard. Whoa. Uh, Kevin Ollie won a title at UConn, longtime NBA journeyman. Um, well respected by many stars in this league, like LeBron and KD and Russ and Harden. Uh, now with overtime elite, um, and then you have guys like I'm missing one. Obviously, Ime Udoka is the one yeah. that people are tend to get excited with. I think he'll be heavily considered. My thing with Ime, I think there's a couple things. Um, of course, like the elephant in the room. Well, there's the elephant in the room that the Pistons will have to address if they were to hire him and have a press conference, but even coupled with uh, the incident the ins- or the investigation that they, that the Pistons had themselves this season. So then to hire a, a coach who had similar, um, yeah, similar, a similar investigation done. That's again, you're going to have to spend a lot of time in the, the first press conference answering those questions. But secondly, Ime could be a great coach. What he did his one year in Boston suggests that he is. I I was thoroughly impressed. The most impressive thing Ime did to me was turn that team around midseason and the run that they went on the second half of the season is phenomenal. He could be a great coach. But I also wonder, okay, Joe Mazzula doing pretty good just as good if not better did Boston really just stumble into like the two two phenomenally great coaches or does Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown make the work a little bit less hard and yeah I don't know that answer I I don't know that answer but certainly Ime is qualified um yeah man I think then there's Chris Quinn uh former Notre Dame point guard been with Spo. I'm trying to think what else. Is Jay Wright still in there? I think Jay Wright is a pipe dream for some okay. in the organization, yeah. Um, and your boy, Sean Sweeney, I think would be a great fit. Man, don't do that to me. I've, but, I've you know, I'll give you my kind of my perspective really quick is the, the, the moment that I heard this news, I was like, Chuck, come on down. New head coach, Charles Lee. Like, I've just kind of assumed that this is sort of the direction that it's going to trend. Um, I'm, I've been blanking while you were when you originally brought him up. Who was the Bucks assistant that just got poached recently? Darvin Ham. Darvin Ham. Yeah, because he was on Charles the, Lee took his spot as the associate head coach. Yeah, wasn't Ime? He was a Brooklyn assistant, or was he a Spurs assistant? He was. He was. Yeah, he was Brooklyn and Spurs. He was under the pop okay. tree. Yeah, I've seen some people throw out Becky Hammond. Do you want to put a bullet in that really quick, or what do you think? Yes, that's not happening. Okay. Cool. And neither is Jay, neither is uh, Coach Ivy, guys. Stop. Oh, I haven't, I haven't seen that one. The only one that I've seen that I'm like, 
com- we need to stop doing this is I've seen a few Mark Jacksons thrown out there. Stop. And my only thing, right? My only thing to that is like, you know, for the last how long has he? Well, how long ago did he get fired? Like eight years ago? Yeah, give or take. Well, it was probably about ten years ago at this point. Nine, ten years ago at this point. You know, there's a reason why every single time that we get into April and there are three coaching vacancies, names like Mark Jackson and Jeff Van Gundy are thrown around all the time for those respective teams. And, you know, maybe they have some ties or maybe there was an interview or something. Do you think maybe there's a reason they never get the job? Do you think maybe there's a reason that they're only kind of ever just in the interview cycle and then that's really it? You know what I mean? So with all due respect, oh, there's a Mark Jackson quote. I didn't even mean to do that. Uh, no, and I'm I'm kind of I'm already a little bit a little bit tired of seeing that one. Yeah, I, that I can put a, the nip in the butt on that. I, I would be sh- shocked. I think there's a better chance I'm an NBA All Star next year. You know, I was I was asking my brother. This is just a fun little mental exercise for all of our lovely listeners out there. Can we take a break first? And before I give you that mental exercise, <laughs> we're gonna take a, a break from a sponsor. So. If you had to, if you had your choice, and you could guarantee Victor Wembanyama is a Piston, or you get your most desired head coaching candidate, which one are you choosing? Oh, Wembanyama. P- players win championships. Whoa, Matthew and I thought it was head coach, and it's not even a question. No, because my thing is like that doesn't mean you're not still getting the remainder. You know, you could still end up with a beast. What if you get Brandon Miller and you get whoever you want? Let's say you want Ime Odoka for the sake of it, right? Then you have Ime Odoka and Brandon Miller. Would you rather have that or would you rather have Sean Sweeney and Victor Wembanyama? All due respect to my guy, Sean Sweeney, of course. But you know what I mean? I just don't know how many coaches are great coaches without great players. You know what I mean? Um, And I think Victor Wembanyama has the best opportunity to be a great player. So, I mean, we can go down the list. Pop is a great coach. Um, he looks a lot better with Duncan, Manu, Tony, and Kawhi. True. People love Nick Nurse. They loved him when he had Kawhi. Um, the, Phil Jackson. How would New York go? Ooh, I am loving this. This is no. I'm just saying. No, like, you're, it's, right. It's you're player, right. You're right. It's a player league, so. Or he didn't wait. He didn't coach New York. He went to the New York front office. But yeah, he was a point yeah. Still, yeah. Point still stands. It it yeah. I you take Wimbenyama, but it is going to be. I think. I think they're still they're they're still making sure they formulate the list correctly. There are names on there. They're still doing their due diligence to see who else they should talk to. Uh, I wouldn't expect a higher like anytime soon. I. I, could one happen by the lottery? That was my question. Probably, possibly. I don't. I'd be surprised. Maybe if it was before then. Uh, I, I mean, I personally don't think they really need one until the draft. Agreed. But it's. I, I don't think they're. They're not going to want to move super slow. But I don't think they're like. They're certainly not in a rush. Like I, I'm telling you, this isn't going to happen the end of this week. And I would be surprised. I don't think it's going to happen the end of next week or maybe the week after that. Yeah, it's also one of those things, and I don't really remember how this works, but are you allowed, you're allowed to interview, like, because the Bucks are going to, I mean, for all intents and purposes, probably going to make a pretty deep playoff run. Are the Pistons still allowed to interview Charles Lee even while that's going on, or do they have to wait until Milwaukee's out? No, I believe they can interview him as long as the Bucks give permission. Right, okay. Yeah, yeah. And then yep. that's kind of the thing is, like, if it takes a really long time and the Bucks are still in the playoffs, maybe that's all that it is, is they have to wait until the Bucks are out before they can announce that they're hiring Charles Lee. I guess they can announce it. He just can't do the inductory press conference until the yeah, Bucks are Mike, done. Mike Mike Brown was hired as the Kings coach when uh Yeah, true. The Warriors won one. So it's certainly possible. Um I think like I said, I think if I had like at this point in time, if you're asking me who I think is gonna be the next Pistons head coach, I think it's gonna be one of Charles Lee, Jerry Stackhouse, Kevin Ali, Ime Udoka. Um, I think I think from talking to people, I think and, and, and possibly Adrian Griffin. Um, but I think the top four I named, I think one of those four will be the coach. Don't hold me to that, but that's just again this Dwayne just stepped down, yeah, or stepped up, um, <laughs> yesterday, and obviously the the Pistons are still 
trying to formulate the list and get everything together. There was a glaring omission from that list just now. There's someone you forgot to name. Me? I didn't hear. Oh, I, sorry. Two people that you forgot to name. James Larry Edwards of The Athletic and Jordan Brink. Jordan Brink not getting an interview? Is he going to be a front of the bench guy for whoever gets brought in? I swear to God, let me tell you something right now. Let me plant my flag. Whoever they bring in. That'd be if awesome he, if Jordan Brink got the job. If he, if whoever this next coach is doesn't retain Jordan Brink on the staff. You're out on him already? Obscenities will be thrown on this podcast. Yeah, and I'm going to be a big, well, yeah, the reverse of that. I will not be a big whoever that coach is guy. Your love for the random Pistons coach that you don't know is fantastic. That's one of my favorite bits. Like, I obviously know them, but, like, you don't know them, but you love them is, like, one of my favorite things. I know him enough. We're on, like, a friendly, you know, we're on a first-name basis. How? Well, doesn't he, like, I thought he, like, listened to the show. I thought he was a fan. Oh, I don't know. He might. Yeah, he might. Well, just through virtue of that, then. Oh, Anybody yeah, who yeah. listens to the show, we're on a first-name basis. Yeah, friends of the show. Yeah, exactly. It Next is... thing I want to get to today, Hamadou Diallo allegedly selling his mansion in Bloomfield Hills. What does he know? Did he really? That's what the that's what they're saying out there. Uh, is it, is the, the the writing on the wall there? Reading the tea leaves, Hamadou Diallo out of here. Maybe I don't know. Maybe, maybe he knows. Maybe not. Uh, maybe he knows he's got a bigger bag coming elsewhere. Maybe he's got a bigger bag coming from Detroit, and he's going to get a bigger house. Oh, there you go, spin zone. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. That's. It's too too soon to wrap my head around that, but I mean that is, it's I mean that is a sign of something, right? So, I didn't see that. I was busy all day, but it certainly. I mean, I don't think it means nothing. What somebody, it means, I don't know. Somebody brought it up an interesting point about him, and I need you. To, I know this isn't fair. I know it's not, but I just need you to walk me through why it's not, and then it'll make complete sense. Okay, so I'm looking for you to explain this to me. Someone said if Hamadou Diallo at times struggles to find minutes on a team that wins 17 games a year. Why is he going to be able to play for a team that's good? I, yeah, my argument to that would be, I actually think Hamadou is more of like a luxury player for a team like the Pistons. Uh, a guy that for a good team, again, end of bench guy, but comes in and like can change the course of a game as we've seen here. Yeah. A guy that, can just add much needed energy, a guy that you could like play in the playoffs and switch stuff and just kind of muck things up. I think the reason he wasn't playing early on in Detroit is because their emphasis was developing Killian Cade yeah, and Ivy. And at that point he was playing more guard. Um, and then even the, when we learned that he's like maybe better as a small ball four, like they still had young guys in, at the forward spot. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's fair, but I, I do think Hamadou Diallo could play on, like, any team in the league and and find a role, whether it's consistent minutes or not. I don't know, but I think he can play on any team in the league. So you think it's kind of one of those things where it's like what his value is isn't something that Detroit is really able to capitalize on because they're not really in the appropriate situations sometimes? I don't. Yeah, I don't think they're able to maximize it right, right. now. That's but the word, it, yeah. I think, I think when the time comes that they are able to, like a guy like Hamadou would make a lot of sense uh, for sure. Uh, one thing I wanted to talk about, and if you're listening to this on Tuesday morning, I have the column up on Tuesday. Uh, this is the headline of my column. Jaden Ivey and Jalen Duran made this season worth it. Yeah, but no let's, but let's No, but let's talk about it. Okay. Because in the midst of the season, as somebody who's in tune with the fan base, that previous years of the rebuild – during the season, as the, as the games are going on, everyone's like, oh, Sadiq, Isaiah, and Killian. And, like, watching them makes us so much fun. Watching Cade and makes us so much fun in, in last year. Didn't really see that this much this year because of the expectations that fans had of year two Cade with Ivy and Duran and others. Once that hit them that it wasn't going to happen, everybody kind of was soured on this season, correct? Yeah, fair. Okay. But if we're being honest with ourselves, right, and this is the kind of base of the column, and you can go read it. I'm not going to dive into it too much here, but I just want to throw this out there. At the end of the day, this was a rebuilding situation. It became even more of a rebuilding situation when Cade went down. P- 
people are looking at this season like the Pistons won 17 games. This was terrible to get through. This was horrid, whatever. I'm looking at it like there is a chance that this team that just won 17 games has three potential all-stars on it down the line. Cade, Ivy, and Duran. Agreed. What? Across the board. I, that's what I walked out of this season thinking because I walked into it with the mindset this was a real rebuilding season. And I think now that fans are removed, you sickos are removed from the the rigors of turning on the TV every day and watching in March and February and being upset that you're spending your time watching a team that's getting their butt kicked some night, X, Y, Z, making mistakes, X, Y, Z. I think now that you're out of that – I think fans are going to realize that this team, this Pistons team, is walking out of this what people in the moment deemed as just a disastrous season, walking out of it with three potential future All-Stars. And I think that makes the season worth it alone. And you can go read all more about that in my column. I just, I just think in the moment people weren't able to really look past the uh, – the, um, the anger of Cade being out, the the frustration with the team not winning more and taking the quote unquote linear steps forward. Yeah. It was hard to kind of really take in what this means for the future. And I think ending I think the Pistons ending this season are the future is actually brighter than it was ending last season. If that makes any sense at all. Last year, people went ended last year. It's like, we have Cade. We have Cade. We don't know what's going to happen in the draft, but we have Cade. Now it's, oh, we still have Cade. I can't wait for Cade. Oh, but we also have Ivy. Oh, but we also have Duran. And we also may get Victor. I just think that the growth that Duran and Ivy showed makes this season worth it for Detroit. Because I think even if they don't land Victor... Those two and Cade, along with the Isaiah Stewart, the Isaiah Livers, the fill-in-the-blank pieces that you get in free agency, the draft, I think that team, if Dern and Ivy and Cade are what I think that they can be, can still get to where it wants to go. And that's because of the development that Ivy and Dern showed this year. So go read the column to have it laid out a little bit better. To piggyback off of this, uh, this is a little two-parter. First thing I'm going to say Duran and Ivy locks for all rookie. Agreed? Real quick, uh, yes or no? In general, like first or second team, yeah. Y- yeah, just all rookie, period. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Locks. It's not close. It's not a discussion. We had a listener submitted saying something or just talking the other day on Reddit. Okay? Let's get it. Out in the wild. And for those who don't know what that is, a few weeks ago we did I did a segment where it was, am I saying something or just talking? And I was reading James some takes and then he would tell me if I was saying something or if I was just talking. So somebody tagged me on this and asked. And the original comment that they were asking me to weigh, on, weigh in on read thus. I like Ivy, but objectively he may not make the all-rookie team. He's been compared to Morant, but what I see is a big version of Ish Smith. And I in no way mean that as an insult. Ish is a damn fine player and was only limited by his size. What I like about Ivy is that he's improving every single game. Now... Let me just say really quick that big-ish Smith as a compliment, I've been chewing on that for a few days. I love that because I actually think that he might kind of be going somewhere because the one thing that – well, hold on. Stay with me for a second. The one thing that Ivy really impressed me with this year was his ability to play as a point guard. Right, And what was the one thing that Ish Smith loved to do? He'd love to dribble around the rim and flip some stuff over his head. What does Jaden Ivey like to do? Dribble around the rim and flip stuff over his head. Maybe flip it on the dump off to you know Wiseman or Bagley or Duran or Stu, whoever it is. I think if you're saying it as an endearment, I think that's kind of fun. Also, respectfully, I think we kind of just, and this will never go away. It's always been like this and it will always be this way. We kind of just do this thing where we're like, this Duran guy is kind of like it's kind of like Sean Kemp. It's kind of like Dwight Howard. Oh, this Ivy guy, he's kind of like John Morant. Yeah, let's just name Hall of Famers that these oh, players remind with, us I, of. I agree with that last part. There's yes, we so that like needs to stop. Big Ish Smith is like, hey, finally, that's kind of real. That sounds like that. I can get there at least, you know. No, I don't know, but respect. 
because Ivy's already a way better shooter yeah, than oh, hundred. He's way more efficient, a hundred percent. But it's the principle of how he the better three point shooter. Ish it from the mid range was a monster, but I I think for the sake of this pod, sure we can we can go with that. No, Do, tell me what you think. Was he saying something or was he just talking? With all, he's just talking. With all due respect, <laughs> I, I I just think that Ivy. <laughs> I just think that Ivy is just so much more advanced and blessed than Ish. And Ish had to work very hard to maintain where he is. I think his obviously his blistering speed, which I think is the biggest. Ish is fast in a herky-jerky sense. Just the way he moves quick twitch. Kind of horizontally fast. That's what pops to me the most. Yeah, Jaden is like, vroom. And... It's 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 different, but I, I like the conversation. I don't. Yeah, I appreciate you presenting that. Shout out to him for playing. Just saying something or talking or, or whatever. Or just talking. There you go. Yeah. Now you remember the segment. Um, yeah. No, I I agree with the with the sentiment that it definitely made this season worth it. Those two players, and I do I, think, and, the, and I don't think people are going to realize that until they get to take a breather and step away from the grind of this season. Agreed. Uh, but yeah, read the column on The Athletic right now. And I think that you will be able to get away with saying that and believing that until when is the lottery? Like May 14th? Until then. Because if we fall to five, then people aren't going to be feeling so like, ooh, this was kind of, you know what I mean? Like, and that's yeah. just kind of the way it goes. That's nobody's fault. That's just Mark Tatum's fault, right? That's just the ping pong ball's fault. That's uh, the, the ghost of David Stern's fault, you know, still mm-hmm. rigging all these things. So, Can I throw something out there? Just now, just to have it out there on record, just in case it happens. Okay. My prediction is if the Pistons pick fourth or fifth, they trade it. Yeah, I, I could, I would believe that. Yeah, did you see the thing that came out like an hour ago that if Portland doesn't get number one, they're ditching the pick? Uh, I did see that, yes. I did see that. You know, this whole Dallas thing – we were talking last week about how if we're not going to we're going to get back to the Pistons but if they somehow with this 0.5% I'm never watching the NBA again it's listen i don't want to get back on our conspiracy lotto stuff cuz we <laughs> let's do we, it no cuz i'm not a conspiracy theorist and this but the lotto gets me going feels like it's going to happen man but let's just leave it at that we'll find out i was thinking like is there some room for like a weird because the Luka thing's not going to work. Eventually, it's not going to work. Do you just do it now and send Jalen Brown to Boston? I'm sorry, send Jalen Brown to Dallas and Luka to Boston? No, you you keep Luka until he has a beer gut and refuses to shower and brush his <laughs> teeth. Yeah, you just you roll with that. As we I go a, in – go ahead. I was going to say I have a question for you. Shoot. After this break. Maybe James. I have a question for you. Okay. Let's do let's let's rattle off player grades now because let's end on player grades because I don't know if I want to do a pod next week. What? Oh, are we t- is this how everybody's finding out that we're taking next week off? I love yeah. when you do this because there's no warning at all. It's just like a hey, like you always tell me on the pod. So when you guys learn at home. That we're not doing a pod next week. That's also how I learn it. So sure, let's just do some quick. Uh, would have liked to have had I'm some notes take, here. I'm going to take vacation next week. We got to talk about something. Are you gonna? We got to talk about something when this is done about part of your vacation. But sure, let's jump into some player grades. Um, let's start with Ivy. We were just talking about him. I'm honestly, dude. I I wish I would have been able to think about this a little bit more. Um, I think I would just go a flat A because if there's anything that I wish I could tell him, um, straight to his face is that like I'm sorry. I was wrong. Like, I think I was just wrong. And I was I was a hater. I, I didn't like the idea of Jaden Ivey and Cade coexisting. And, and technically, we, that's still, you know, to be seen. But um, I think there's a really compelling case to be made that he's like a top two rookie this year. Because admittedly, Paulo is just a different breed. Um, whenever we played Orlando, you know, you got to see it firsthand. Paulo Boncaro is really good. Um, but Jaden Ivey should be on that first team. And what I was talking about a few minutes ago about how he was able to navigate playing point guard this season with, you know, a roster that was otherwise not really, you know, he didn't have a ton to work with all the time. Um, his efficiency um, surpassed my expectations, if, if nothing else, even impressed me a little bit. Um, 
you know, and the athleticism that he that he shows wasn't as frustrating as I was anticipating it was going to be. It was just exciting because, you know, we as Pistons fans have, have went a really, really long time without like any athletes on the team. And so to see a guy who, like you said, has that zero to 60 speed um, the way that he does, you know, on a nightly basis, you knew if nothing else, I'm going to watch Jaden Ivey do something pretty cool tonight. And that's worth a lot to me. Yeah, I'm gonna give him. I'm gonna give him an A minus. The fact that he never really played point guard at a high level, wasn't going to handle the ball as much as he did. Ended up having to because of Cade, and then got better every single month, both offensively and defensively. Watching him go from zero. He, if if there was a brick wall in the court, the first two months of Ivy's rookie season, he would have tried to run through it every single time. Then to watch him in March and February, snake and slither his way through pick and rolls make the weak side read, strong side read, pull up for a midi, not necessarily go all the way to the rim and try to challenge a tree, to see the to see him in practice work on his mid-range game so much and to see it pay off, for him to improve his three-point shooting as the season went on, to see him fight over screens better, improve his weak side awareness. Like I, I told this to some Pistons people the other day. I haven't, in my time covering the league, I can't remember a rookie that almost made some weaknesses his strengths in the midst of one season and that season being his rookie season. And I just also can't really pick, like in my time, a rookie that just got significantly better at things that he struggled with. Yeah. Yeah, he really struggled with in one season. Like Cade, I saw Cade get better, but Cade just like got better because he's the man and like, like the ball was going in more, he was finding his rhythm. Ivy struggled in the mid range, got good at the mid range, struggled from three, got good from three, played too fast, slowed it down, really was bad defensively, and he'll tell you that. And like made a significant leap in that regard. So a minus. Jalen Duran, what do you got? Uh, B plus. He, I, I find it laughable that people including myself thought there was actually a chance he'd play in the G league, like any time at all (laughs) Um, for him to just the annoyance of having to guard him that you saw in opposing players faces was said at all. Um, His, the way he towers and skies for rebounds when he's locked in, like there are minutes, there've been minutes and stretches for games especially lately where he was the best player on the floor for like a five-minute, six-minute stretch, getting offensive rebounds, setting hard screens and getting the space. It's just the master of the little things like you see it here and there. Defensively, that was kind of the one area where I was like, I think he, I thought he would be a little bit better than he showed. All the tools are there. It's going to click one day. I think for him it's just computing in his head in real time, making sure like read and react stuff like i think it's certainly just experience and playing time that and he, he we're not talking about the jalen duran as an all-star until he takes that leap defensively i think because i think that's what's going to define him given his offensive game is rim running post up offensive rebounds he's going to have to go to that level defensively and i think he will uh but obviously he missed a lot of time with injuries so i'm gonna go b plus don't have a ton to add there. I was going to go A- minus just because um, he was everything that I wanted him to be, everything that I quote-unquote expected him to be. Ever since he did that workout with Portland pre-draft and we had that picture of him and he was yoked, um, like you said, it's just that bully ball. And and as far as the defensive stuff goes, it's like, yeah, for every three or four fouls that he was good for a game, you know what came with that? At least two blocks. Felt like every single night. And that's worth something. You know, from an 18 or 19-year-old, it's like, where's the bar really? Is there even one? Like, not really. He's just going out there and he's, you know, exceeding the amount of minutes that even like you just said, even you were expecting him to play this year. So perfect season to have a guy like that. You know what I mean? Where there's there's no stakes because we punted on the season three weeks into it. You know, so it's like we have literally nothing to lose. Let's just go out there, give this guy a bunch of game experience. And even if it came with a bunch of, you know, uh, double big man lineups that people didn't particularly enjoy, it's like, you know who got better? Jalen Duran. And it just kind of felt like a free year. Like he just was kind of like studying abroad and could just kind of do whatever <laughs> he want, whatever he wanted. And in the process of that, guess what? We're looking at a guy who, like James said, I 100% agree, 
he might be an all-star, ladies and gentlemen. I don't know. He might be. So the homer in me is going to, just like we did with the, the Ivy thing, I'm going to go a half grade uh, above. I'm going to go with the A minus. Who do you want to do next? You want to do kill? If that's who you want to do. Good year for the setup man. Wouldn't you agree? The guy who kind of starts to figure out this jumper a little bit throughout the season. Really good at setting guys up, facilitating, you know. Really good at defending this year, stealing, jumping into passing lanes, being a pest, you know. Really good um, – uh, what's the why, why can't I think of her? Really good full court press guy. Really wish we did that more because he's so quick twitched. You know, I love the way that he's able to sort of like wrap around a dude. Um, who was I talking hey, about? Yo. Yeah, I'll give you that one. The way that I said that the only way that PJ Tucker defends anybody is just by leaning into them. That's the only way that PJ Tucker plays defense. He just leans on people. Killian sometimes is kind of the same, but just in more of like a. He kind of just hovers on them in like a really magnetic way. I feel like I'm just saying a bunch of like word salad right now, but I don't know. It was a weird year. Sounds like for- you're about to give him an A plus and um, we, we maybe logging off if that's the case. I was somewhere between C plus and B minus where I think in, in previous years, you know, especially I can't really say his rookie year because that didn't really count. But if you want to go like last year for example, where we kind of thought he was going to start to put it together and then he kind of just didn't. And it was like, yeah, I guess he was fine. If nothing else, he was probably a little bit below being fine. I think this was the first time that we're like, I'm pretty sure Killian's an NBA player. I'm pretty sure he is, you know? So I think because of that, if in previous years he got that D plus C minus, I think I'm going to give him the bump. I'm going to go C plus this year. So his, his evaluation for me is tricky. Um, I do think that he is a player more so than anybody that benefits the most from spacing. And I would not say that the Pistons were the best space team this year. With that said, there was a month period where the shot was falling and we're like, okay, this is it. This is what Killian can be. There's a role for him in this league. When he hits jumpers, it just looks different. And we're not yeah. talking about all-star different. We're not even I'm not even talking about NBA starter different. It, NBA, he looks like a rotational NBA player when he hits jumpers. When he doesn't, it's really hard to say that Detroit has any reason to keep furthering the relationship because I think his I think he has good defensive moments. I also think he follows a lot defensively. Uh I think he t- he he loves taking the mid range because they're giving him the mid range and he feels comfortable shooting there. But that's the shot every defense wants you to take. When he hits the three ball, you see the vision, and it makes sense and it opens up so much more of his game. But he just hasn't been able to consistently do that. And again, the circumstances of the season, I do think he is more of a system player in which. You got to really have the right pieces around him to maximize him, and the Pistons didn't always have that this year. But with that also being said, I just got to. I wish I saw a little bit more consistent growth. Um, because it was only there sometimes. And it was, it was, yeah, it was. It's. I mean, up until this last week, it it was pretty rough until from Paris. So yeah, I'm going to go D plus. Oh, that's a little rough. Is it worth doing an Isaiah Stewart thing? Cause he hasn't played in a month and a half, almost two months. Uh, we don't have to. I would just say that I think he, can I just, can I play my question to him for media day? Yeah. I don't know if I'll be able to hear it. Cause sometimes that's a little tricky, but at least our listeners will be able to. Yeah, that's so a, go let, ahead. Let me, let me play the, uh, the beginning of it. Isaiah, I don't necessarily think your your growth showed up in the stat sheet this year, whether it was not even just three-point shooting, but running off the line, making reads, things like that, that you even said you were getting used to just getting the reps. What does the kind of final version of Isaiah look like in comparison to maybe the rookie version of Isaiah that we saw a few years ago? Good question. Um, to be honest, I'm not sure. Um, I feel like I don't have a ceiling. You know, I feel like um, 
know, uh, you know, it's a lot of, it's a lot of room for, for growth. And, you know, I know when I first got drafted, people viewed me as, you know, a different player. But, um, you know, I feel like I, feel I love that Isaiah always has receipts. It's like one of my favorite things. How much did the freedom, obviously last year there was whether or not you would shoot as many threes as you did, they obviously let you this year, but just the freedom to try things, whether or not, like you mentioned before, getting footwork down on the baseline, and things, how much did that just help you grow both as a player skill-wise and even mentally just having the confidence to be able to try stuff? Man, that, uh, that allowed me to you know, grow tremendously. And uh, you know, I thank Coach Casey for that because you know, he didn't, um, you know, he allowed me to uh, make mistakes and allow them to, you know, grow in the areas that I need to grow in and have experience in. So, and he encouraged me the, the whole way. So, you know, um, you know, huge part goes to him and you know, another part just goes to putting the work in. So, but just having that freedom definitely helped. So that's what I want to say about Isaiah Stewart's season. I walked away impressed. It wasn't always pretty. But this is a guy who played a new position for the first time, had the freedom to put the ball on the ground, the freedom to make reads, the freedom to shoot at a higher, the highest clip he's ever had. And the flashes were more than enough for me to believe that, like, with more reps, like, this guy, there's, there's something very substantial there. And I think playing alongside a Duran in the future is going to just unlock him defensively. I, I walked away very encouraged from Isaiah Stewart's second year, or third year. Third year. Another guy we could do, you know, you could look at Let's go kind of quick, too, by the way. Let's look. We don't have to do a whole bunch of guys. We could finish with, like, Bogdanovich, and if you want to do Liv, you can. But otherwise, like, we're not doing Corey. We're not doing Rodney. We're not doing any of that. You know what I mean? Wiseman incomplete because he's... Right, and that's the same thing. Like, Bagley, it's like, I don't know. You can do a Bagley thing if you want. The only thing I was going to say about Bogdanovich really quick is, like, I think he's the first new addition that the Pistons have had in in a considerable amount of years that I didn't get mad at a single time throughout the year because we talk at the top of this about how Dwayne Casey was a good soldier through thick and thin. That's what Bogdanovich was. And even if he was brought into a situation that like wasn't technically bad to start, it was just kind of like eh, a little bleak, it went bad pretty quick, right? Things got sour pretty quick. And through that, that's kind of what I just reminded myself every time there was something that, you know, if he took a shot that I didn't really like, if he just let somebody blow by him on defense, whatever it was, um, you know, he was just kind of like a good soldier. I just know that with him, it's part of the bigger picture, right? Which is weird to say about a guy who's like a 50-year veteran. But you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I know that with a guy like that, it's just a matter of once we get guys in the building to actually kind of be the, the setup man for him. Um, so because of that, I don't know. I'd go a solid solid B+. Plus. Loved having him. Really excited to see the future. And that's really all I got. Yeah, I give vote. I think B-plus is a good one. I think bogey provided exactly what you would expect of him if you wish he was a better defender a lot of people do but you shouldn't expect that from him at that age and yeah. general and given the team's record uh were there some bad decisions late in games yes did he have a lot of help no did he make tough shots did he keep them in games yes bogey yep. was the ultimate pro he had his best scoring career season of his career he got to rest uh, whether or not he makes it to next season, that's we'll, I guess we'll see in this summer. But uh, I thought Bogey, a solid B+. Plus. A little bit of a throwing the wrench in the spokes Come on, on us mean, there a little bit. There's a, I mean, there's a chance. He's there's, a I mean, 34-year-old forward with a friendly team contract. There's definitely a chance. I would just love to know what Troy told him. Matthew and I talk about this all the time. What did Troy tell him that the plan was that he got him to pen that extension? Cade Cunningham. Victor yeah. Wimbenyama. I'm talking money. Like, I'm t- money. <laughs> I'm You're 34, like- you want 20 mil? Here you go. I'm telling right. I told you before those European cats want to get paid, man. And they always do. We can end. I'll let you do your liver spiel because he's your guy. Why do you keep saying you what you say that? How many guys do I have? It went from it went from Sadiq I'm not to, even to guys. Isaiah it- to K to Hami to Livers. Like, what's next? Like fucking uh Hooper? 
I'm not even participating in this. Anybody who listens to this show knows that Isaiah Livers is your guy, which is fine, dude. Which is we all have a guy. Think, we all I have a the, dude. I think there's a misconception that like when I speak about Livers, that I think like he has like all star upside. No, 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 no. I think he. I think for the role that the Pistons need, a three and D wing, a, a floor spacer, a a guy who when Jaden Ivey drives, like when. Like when Kyle Lowry gets downhill and he can kick it out to Max Struess and he's going to hit the three instead of clank it, which the Pistons have a bunch of clankers. <laughs> Isaiah Livers is the one when they're good is going to be the Max Struess kick out guy that's going to knock down the three, play defense on the other end, and maybe put the ball on the floor, have a nice dunk. Like he's going to be the perfect glue guy. That's what I think. And I think he showed some of that. I think he showed some of that. I'm going to go B minus. Uh, Shooting went down a little bit this year, still battled injuries, but he gets the B plus because I thought he showed he might be the most versatile defender on the roster. Yeah. Okay. Alrighty. Totally valid. I will say. When's the last time we went straight an hour Pistons? All Pistons. It's been a while. It's usually the, like uh, if we do an hour show, it's probably about thirty-six to forty-two minutes Pistons, but straight hour. You know, I want to ask you really quick, now that the season's over, we've played all 82, um, I was listening to, I did something with this show that I've never done before. I gave it the old car speaker test, because I've never heard what this show sounds like in a car. It's phenomenal. It's phenomenal. We have the best Sonics in the game. You know how, I mean, you, James, you know this, uh, people at home who, who are musicians, you know this, the ultimate test is you got to plug test. in the aux, you got to see how it sounds in the car, because that's yeah. when you'll be able to identify, I need to change this, this thing's got to get tuned up, whatever. I need to up, I need to up right. the baseline, the strings need to be a little, yeah. So I was like, I was just curious to see, you know, what needs to, what needs to change about it, and I, I did actually have some notes, but I'm, I'm saying this because I picked a random episode from like January, we had just, I don't know if it was quite that long ago, it was the... I think the Raptors game that we played uh, when Bagley came back from his injury. And I think it was in that game that Livers had a dunk that you said could be the dunk of the year. I think it was on Precious. Does, is this ringing a bell? That was the Pistons dunk of the year, yes. Do you that think might, that might have been the best dunk? That was one of the best dunks in the NBA. That was without a doubt the best Pistons dunk of the year. So what your take was in the episode was that is a sneaky candidate for dunk of the year, period. Would yes. you so you would stand by that? Yes. That okay. was nasty. Oh, 100%. 100%. I'm just saying now, hey, we've played all. Now we know, was it the dunk of the year? Now you got your answer. I'd have to, like, see a list, but that should be that should be up. I think if you if you sat down a bunch of basketball people in front of a TV and you just played them the top 30 dunks of the year, I think that livers one would get one of the bigger reactions. Probably agreed. Alrighty, James, last thing. You got an album. Let's do the New York Times. My employer dropped a Dilla Jay Dilla documentary on Hulu last Friday. Well done, Mwah. As a Dilla uh, fanatic, a Dilla studier who knew listens has listened to everything that's available, has read everything, has watched everything. I went into that thinking I wouldn't learn anything new. There was some stuff about the end of his life that I didn't. I knew, but like the emotion of it, you never really got that true emotion. So there was some stuff in there that I took away as a connoisseur that I was I was happy to to leave with. Uh, so in honor of that, we are going to go with "Welcome to Detroit," Jay Dilla. In spirit of that, I had a I was doing a lot of driving this weekend. Drove to Michigan and back in like twenty four hours. Think twice. Think twice and featuring Fat Cat are the two best or my two favorite songs. Go ahead. I'm sorry. And I was listening to a lot of albums, some stuff I hadn't heard in a while, some stuff I hadn't heard, period, you know, Phoebe mixing up Bridgers, a bunch of stuff. Even Miles, Miles Bridgers. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Pull back on that one. Uh, I'm going to go with Midnight's by Taylor Swift. Just a banger. And let me tell you something. Before you make that little face and you roll your eyes and you tweet at James like, what do you do a podcast with this guy? Let me tell you something about Taylor Swift. There is nobody on this planet that has a better strangle stranglehold on their respective market and knows how to saturate it. And I don't think there's anybody who has a more effective writing team than hers. You know why I like Taylor Swift? Because she's relatable. Because she clearly uses like rhyme zone. There's a song on that album. We're in a span of seven seconds. 
she rhymes narcissism, altruism, and congressmen. It's wild. It's bizarre. It's the craziest thing I've ever heard. I do I not is do that, not mean that it, part in a good is way. Is that is that crazier than you spending thirty seconds breaking down Taylor Swift bars? Like I, I, don't I think even you might know. be the Again, first. Per- I, I think you might be the first person in podcast history to just break down Taylor Swift bars and like her rhyme scheme. You just broke I, down her rhyme scheme like she's Slim Shady. Again, I'm not talking about this in an endearing way. When I heard it, I was like, girl, I don't, I don't, you know. Can I give you a, a super quick, B.O.B. is one of the more perpetually underrated. Uh, like, his, early, his early stuff was solid. Then I kind of grew out of it. I grew up in that whole blog era of, like, that was like early high school. B.O.B., Currency, Blue, Charles Hamilton, Asher Roth, Kid Cudi. Uh, Corey Guns, basically that whole like oh, 09 Corey freshman governor. Wow. Um, that's it. Mickey Fax, like the whole shout out to Charles Hamilton. That, that, he's one of the most underrated. But yeah, like that whole, that, like that's when I like really started getting on the internet and blogs were hype. And like I was like, that's when like 14 and like you form your music. Like I was heavy into like the BOB stuff then, but then I grew out of it and started listening to the do, do, do. He had one I was listening to. Uh, you know who it is without a doubt or hesitation. If money talks, I got my master's in communication. He had some bars. He's just, you know who he is? You know who came and just like knocked his whole shit off? Who? Big Crit was just, is just better. It's Ooh, just I harder. Like this take. It's just yeah. harder. Like two country guys who sound country, but Crit's just a little bit harder. I mean, B.O.B., like he got paid, shout out to him, but he just lost it already when he did airplanes. Like we're just... He That's lost his day fair. once when he did airplanes. Like I didn't want to hear it. But shout out to him. He broke Bruno Mars. That's, he, he doesn't Bruno get Mars? Had, Did we hear Bruno Mars before airplanes? Bruno Mars wasn't in that song. It was Haley Williams. I'm sorry. What's the song he has with Bruno Mars? There is definitely a song that he has with Bruno Mars. Yeah, like You're one 100% of his, right. Yeah, one of his. Uh, hold on. I think that what was like. That even? I can't believe we're spending the final minutes of the people. Nothing on you. That was like Bruno Mars. Nothing on you, definitely, yeah. That was like Bruno Mars. That was from 2010. When was Bruno Mars' first album? Let's look. Around there, for sure. He was like, he he was big when I was in like middle school. That's kind of when he burst onto the scene. His first album was in 2010. There you go. I was in middle school. Shout out to B.O.B. Bro, he he gave uh, he gave Bruno Mars the runway. Ladies and gentlemen, if you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts, be sure to rate five stars. Leave a review. Subscribe if you're feeling generous. If you're listening to this on Spotify, you can also leave five stars. We will catch you guys in the next one.